Hello, you're listening to Duck Brains. I'm your host, Kate. Today we'll be talking to PhD candidate and graduate educator in the School of Journalism and Communication, Hadil Abumaid. Hadil expects to complete her program next summer and is currently a graduate educator for communication law. I was actually in her international communication class last summer, which is how we were introduced, though this interview was our first and only meeting in person. I'm so grateful to Hadil for setting aside the time to speak with me for my very first episode. I really enjoyed our conversation. We covered a lot. We talked about Edward Said our favorite local food trucks, even our childhood dreams. Anyway, let's get into it. Here's me and Tadil. I think I'm going to skip my 2 o'clock class. Okay. It's a Zumba class. And I, was like, oh. <laughs> I just want to make soup and stay home. Oh, that sounds nice today. Yeah. But Zumba's that's a lot of energy. Yeah, I know. And um, I think I've been hurting because I also do CrossFit and running. Oh, so boy. I think my knee needs a break and I have a competition coming in 10 days and I need my knees for that. Wow, what is the competition? CrossFit competition. It's going to be in Salem, teams of three females and we're going to have four different workouts and there's 140 teams signed up for that competition. Wow. Yeah, but they have different uh, different divisions. Like they have the men's, the women's, the skilled, the like more novice people, the more experienced people. So but I'm excited and I've been like training hard for that. <laughs> That's really cool. When did you start doing that? CrossFit, April 2017. Okay, so you moved here around 2014? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. and I finished uh, my master's degree in June 2016, went back home to renew my visa, come back for the PhD program in 2016, September, but I couldn't get a visa, so I had to wait a whole year. Wow. Yeah, and I joined the program in 2017. Awesome that you got to come back. I know. I'm excited. Cool. (laughs) How much longer in your program do you have now? I should be done by next summer. Wow. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in the dissertation writing process. I finished my comprehensive exams. I uh, defended my dissertation proposal, and now I'm in the process of writing. <laughs> I was so self-conscious about online teaching. It's already dry material, and I was like, are they enjoying this? And I don't know what's the background of everyone because some people this might be new for them there might be some people need like more base information so it's it's challenging for sure I bet it's even harder to teach like core classes for Mm -hmm. a major because when everyone has to take it they're maybe not all as excited yeah (laughs) I don't know I like teaching it because I think interesting but I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) What else are you teaching now? I am GE for communication law now. Oh really? Yeah did you take it? I love that class. Yeah did you take it with Bryce? I took it with um, Justin Francesi. Francesi yeah. Yeah he was great. I really liked the class it almost made me want to get into law but that's a lot of studying. I know I know it's the it's my first time uh, GEing for that because I wanted to get a background on inter- uh, communication law and yeah. I don't know 
what's going on in the student's mind. And this is something that I was like, I want to have a conversation about this. I want to see the reaction after they read this piece or watch this um, short video. Like one of the interesting uh, videos for me, I think, is the Looney Tunes and the war propaganda. I was like, did you know about this before? What do you think of this? So I, I don't know. I think the only thing that's missing was the conversation. Yeah. And time. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to ask you to introduce yourself, mm-hmm. but starting 10 years ago. Okay. Just 10 years ago. So that was 2011. So to start with, time has no meaning anymore for me. Um, 10 years ago, five years ago, yesterday. It's all the same. And it's all blurry. Okay. So... In 2011, I was switching jobs from, I was working for for a nonprofit in Jerusalem that we did music therapy. It's called Sabrine Association. Um, And when I was working there, I met uh, who I call like my godfather uh, work-wise, who's a filmmaker. And he submitted a proposal to do a filmmaking workshop in one of the refugee camps in Jordan. I lived in Palestine at that point. Um, And he was like, oh, how about you come and be the project uh, coordinator? I was like, yeah, of course I would do that. it requested um, like traveling every weekend, crossing the land border between Jordan and Palestine, give workshops, and why it was important. Because there was only one cinema uh, or filmmaking uh, academy in Jordan. Um, it was by the it was called Bretzi Resica Bretzi Institute. Uh, don't quote me on um, acronyms. So, and they went out of uh, funding um, a few years after 2011. I can't remember the exact date. So, there was only one filmmaking institution that served Palestine and Jordan. Um, so, it was important to do that. First of all, because it's in a refugee camp, they don't get um, they don't get a lot of chances when it comes to non-academic let's say uh, life so I was like yes of course I'm in so uh, we started the screening process we were surprised to get uh, a lot of applications from our age group was I think between 15 and 30 years old Uh, and we had a lot of people that were interested so we ended up picking 30 of them that we think yes you're the most suited for uh, this program. And for a whole year, from 2011 to 2012, we were working with uh, these youth. Uh, uh, it, it's funny to say youth when we had like 28 and 30, but it depends on whose definition of youth you're using. Uh, so that's where it was in 2011, traveling every weekend, crossing the land border between Jordan and Palestine. Uh, we ended up uh, the workshop. It was a documentary making Uh, workshop to capture the narrative of the newer generation of Palestinian refugees living in refugee camps. Uh, We wanted to give them tools that, because the older generation that uh, witnessed what we call a Nakba or the expulsion of 1948 from the Palestinian land, this generation is dying. And we wanted to help the new generation with new tools to help them 
capture these memories uh, because sometimes we were um, the oral narrative is a huge thing in our culture but also with generations dying this can die with them so that's where I was yeah that's your short answer (laughs) that's incredible thank you (laughs) yeah how did you um, select for the candidates um, so based on their interests, based on um, how much commitment, because we, we did interviews with them too, um, how much commitment they showed, uh, are they doing this to just waste time, or are they really interested in this? And I, I was so proud of our selection because they produced five documentaries um, that were shown in like places. <laughs> Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Are you a filmmaker? I am not. I always say I'm the person behind who makes the plans. Because if you've ever worked with a filmmaker, sometimes it gets messy. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm more on the production side. Gotcha. Are you still involved with the Palestine Cinema Days remotely? I am not. I was... Actually, when I finished my master's degree and I went back home uh, in 2016, so fast forward from 2011 to 2014, I traveled to the U.S. to get my um, degree in nonprofit management with focus on arts administration. And the goal was to go back home and uh, manage the nonprofit, me and the filmmaker, his name is Hanna, that we founded after the success of our project in Talbiya camp in Jordan but something happened when I was here that I got so interested in doing research that was like this is what I want to keep doing I want to teach and I want to do research so I applied for the uh, program at the, the media studies PhD program and the plan was okay I will go home renew my visa and come back but um, of course uh, I was like, psych, you're not going back now. Uh, so that year, I worked with Film Lab Palestine, which is the nonprofit uh, organization. Um, actually, we registered that as a company. Um, and I really enjoyed it. But my dream is to be a professor. And this is how I ended up being uninvolved. I don't know if that's even a word with them because they needed executive decisions and me being countries away it was hard to keep up so I had to sign uh, up my uh, like share in the nonprofit. Uh, yeah like we're still friends um, but yeah I, I'm not involved anymore that makes sense yeah. you're doing a lot of work here <laughs> um, what films would you most want to teach what do you want to teach students when you're a professor so, um, like, my interest is not only cinema studies. I'm more interested in international and cross-cultural communication because after being seven years in the U.S., I think most of material that's being introduced to students, at least what I witnessed here, it's um, uh, Eurocentric, Western-centric. And I think what I want to do is I want to bring research from outside what uh, what's called the Western world and introduce it to students. Uh, so international communication, 
how we produce things, uh, what's the media like in countries that, uh, in a place that you did not grow up in. So I want to expose them to theories from, uh, they refer to it as the global south. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of that term. Um, But I want to introduce them to like scholars from there, filmmakers from there, media personnel, get them out of their comfort zone. My dream was when I went to the journalism school as an undergrad, I wanted to be a war correspondent. That was my dream. Because by the time I was finishing high school, going into undergrads, the political situation back home was getting really bad. And there was a lot of reporting about clashes, checkpoints. Uh, I was like, this is what I want to do. And I remember watching, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, Up Close and Personal. It's Michelle Pfeiffer and... I think his name is Robert Redford. Yeah. Um, So uh, they're both journalists. And uh, I cried so hard. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But uh, it was was like, yes, I want to grow up to be Michelle Pfeiffer in that movie. And then my father was like, no, you're not. (laughs) You're not going to go to a checkpoint at 1 a.m. to report something that's too dangerous. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll do... Um, like written journalism instead of be a war correspondent and I just it wasn't my thing Um, I have to keep moving and uh, even though I enjoyed writing it wasn't my it wasn't my thing so um, I ended up joining a public relations company and then slowly moving into the nonprofit world, into the behind the scenes of uh, um, film lab uh, and I was like okay Academia it is. <laughs> I always start um, the local newspaper with uh, the obituaries. I don't know why, but it's became a habit. And now whenever I read the newspaper here, if I ever read physical, like everything is digital now, I start from the end um, because that's where, where the obituaries in our newspaper are. Like it's towards maybe second to last. So I always start from second to last end go the opposite way so yeah uh, to answer your question I grew up um, um, like my father he would listen to radio before going to bed um, and was like here's the BBC but in Arabic um, like Al Jazeera was a big thing uh, we have another TV channel called Al Arabiya uh, there's the France 24 from uh, France magazines were not a thing for me um, and now I like I have the subscription to the you know New York Times. Um, I read the newspapers back home online. It's my way of keeping up with um, everything that's happening. Um, of course, Al Jazeera is still uh, like my go-to for news. Al Jazeera Al Arabiya because also they, even though they're like neighboring countries, you can see the difference in. Uh, presenting the news depends on which side they stand. When I applied for my master's degree, I did not apply for like a specific program. There was a scholarship announced in the newspaper back home from the USAID, which is United States Agency for International Development. Um, so I applied uh, for the agency and I got through the interviews and I've never been like the person who gets things. Um, I was like, no, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. First interview, second interview, then uh, the TOEFL exam, which is the test of English uh, for foreign uh, 
as a foreign language, and then the GRE, which is, I I started questioning my intelligence after my GRE exam. So, and then I ended up, okay, I got the scholarship, and then they gave me a list of, I would say, a dozen universities in the U.S. that offer the program nonprofit management or youth development, um, the focus was at that point. And they told me, okay, give us your top five, and we're going to send your application to them. Uh, Wherever you get uh, admitted, you have the freedom to choose. So uh, UVO was my number one because they had the specifically uh, tailored uh, program for nonprofit management. Um, and yeah, I got in. And this is how I ended up here with, uh, yeah, and I, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, as someone who is very new to the Eugene, mm-hmm. so um, have you found any like favorite restaurants, any favorite spots that you'd like oh, to yeah. recommend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a huge extrovert with a lot of energy. So when COVID hit and then I suddenly had to stay in my apartment the whole time, I went from somebody who goes to the apartment to just sleep to a person who's all the time in her apartment. I was losing my mind. So to go back to your question, um, food-wise, I um, my favorite food cart is Dos Banderas, which is downtown... Uh, I would say on Olive and Broadway, it's the best Mexican food. I love going on hikes. Um, my One of my friends, she has this book, 100 Hikes in Oregon, and I was like, okay, we should do this before we graduate. I think we did like 20 of them. In your opinion, who are the creators to watch coming out of Palestine? Any recommendations? Filmmakers, yes. Um, and um, take the chance now because they're they're on Netflix. Um, look for works by Ilya Suleiman, um, Najwa Najjar, uh, Hani Abu Asad, Muayyad uh, Alayyan, Rashid Masharawi, and Marie Jasser. Those are the, I would say, the biggest names in filmmaking now. Um, Look for them. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What kind of media would you like to see? What kind of stories would you like to hear told? There is a professor. His name is Jack Shaheen. He passed away like a couple of years ago. He did a, an extensive research on representation of Arabs in media. And he said, I'm not asking Hollywood to produce Arabs always in a good uh, representation, but it's the only group of people that's almost all the time represented as the uh, the bad person. So I would like us to show us as just a normal life of a person. It doesn't have to always be related to religion or related to a conflict, but every time you see an Arab, it's always, there's a terrorist attack, there is a war in Iraq, uh, there is, you know, like, why not see them? And I always... Uh, Ask was like, can you recall uh, an Arab character in a movie or a TV show you've seen? I've so far I've had no luck. <laughs> Learn as much as you can. Approach everything with an open mind. Always investigate. Uh, even if you get your news from Al Jazeera, like look for other opinions, uh, because objective journalism is a myth.
it doesn't exist. Thank you for listening to Duck Brains and for supporting student-run media. Duck Brains is researched, written, and edited by me, your host. I'd like to remind you that the thoughts and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Emerald Media Group or the University of Oregon. Any content provided by our hosts or guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any person, place, or thing.